Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back along to your home of rugby here on New Zealand Sport Radio and on Cornflakes YouTube channel today. It's another Thursday, and you know what that means on a Thursday? It means Super Rugby preview time, and we have, of course, four more games coming your way this weekend, two from Super Rugby Aotearoa, as always, and, of course, two from across the ditch in Super Rugby AU. Of course, we will be here every Thursday. What time? Well, I don't know. Just stay by your computer, because we'll be going live on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening with our preview show, and, of course, I can't do it alone. We need the expert opinions of a man across that other side of the ditch. And it is welcome back to Shane. He's, he's live and local yet again. How are you going, sir? And, of course, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steve. How are you, mate? Um, it's, it's great to be back at the Tamworth Hotel again like we were last week. Hot chocolate in hand. <laughs> the best hot chocolate in the world, I've got to tell you. And the staff would kill me if I didn't say it was. Um <laughs> It is, and I'll give it much for it. So it's just great to be back, great to be thinking about some rugby after, you know, when we get away from work, when we drop the tools down and get ready for a big weekend of rugby. Yes, indeed. It's getting underway tomorrow night as well. It all kicks off on Friday evening. Over your side uh, this week, Shane, the Rebels and the Western Force are the ones to open up this round, uh, round eight of Super Rugby AU. And then following that on Saturday, I'll be there on Saturday night. The Highlanders versus the Chiefs at Forsyth Bar Stadium. Um, if you're going along, do let us know in the comments. It's a big stadium, so you probably won't see me there. But keep an eye out. Who knows what you'll see um, at that one. But that is on Saturday evening, 7 o'clock um, from Super Rugby Aotearoa. Then we switch over back to Australia, the Reds and the Brumbies, the second game out of AU. And then finally on Sunday afternoon, unfortunately for these Sunday games, we don't have the teams named just yet. But on Sunday, um, we've got the Hurricanes facing the Crusaders. Now, Crusaders team with a losing streak. Oh, how exciting is that? But we'll talk more about that as we get into things. But um, let's not mess about, Shane. Let's get straight into the action. It kicks off. Over your side for the Rebels and the Western Force. And, well, for the poor old Rebels, we talked a little bit last week about them, didn't we? How that opportunity for that big 
home winning streak. And, you know, they were starting to pick themselves up. They, they had a couple of close losses early in the season. They looked like contenders, I guess, for you know, a team that could push those top sides in the Reds and the Brumbies. But, boy, it really fell away from last week, didn't it? They didn't look uh, anywhere near as good as they were. And the Western Force, of course, on the bye. So now coming back into the competition, they have... You know, those points to prove yet again heading into this second round of the competition. So plenty up for both these sides heading into this round, isn't it? Well, I, I like to call this Australia's bitterest rival. It's more bitter than drinking lemon juice, and that's horrible. So um, <laughs> I, I actually really look forward to this Aussie, Aussie derby probably just as much as, as any, if not, if not more because um, they are close games. Um, it was pretty close last time in Perth. The lights went off and everybody oh, got yes. their phones and their cameras out and um, did a selfie then uh, realised they had to use it to put the lights back on. So uh, this is, yeah, look, out in Melbourne, um, you know, the crowds are coming back to Melbourne for the, for all sorts of footy, including the Rebels. So um, they were they want to bounce back pretty quickly and the force. I think that they've um, they played some good footy. They've been very close, but they just lack a bit of finish. And, um, you know, I suppose it's like Merlot. That's the finishing wine and they're, they're, they're missing it from their, their bottle shop. Yeah, they are a bit the poor rebels. Um, this is going to be a tough test for them. We'll look at the two teams uh, heading into this, the starting lineups for the two sides. Uh, starting off with the Rebels, uh, Klaus Eloff starts with that number one yet again. James Hansen gets a start at hooker, and Pony Farmacelli go alongside those two in the number three jumper. Rob Otter starts with Trevor Hosea in the second row. Josh Kimini, Richard Hardwick, and Michael Wells complete that forward pack. Joey Powell and Matt Tamil in the halves in the midfield. Lewis Holland. Uh, a relative new name to that midfield combination with Stacey Ely, who's been solid as ever in that 13 jumper. Marika Kolombiti is on the left wing. Frank Lamhani amazingly was quite spectacular on the wing, the uh, international scrum half. And Reese Hodge moves out of that midfield and back to fullback. So interesting changes there for the Rebels going up against this force side. Obviously, they've spotted something where they can attack them in different areas. For the Western Force, Tom Robinson, uh, Fuliti Kaitu, and that hooker, Santiago Medrano, is wearing three. Jeremy Thrush and Siliki Tamani in the second row. Fergus Lee Warner, Kane Koteka, and Thomas Lazana at number eight. There we go. We've got two Argentinians already. Let's add a third with Thomas Kubeli and Domingo Miotti, three and four. That's a really exciting um, 10 players, isn't it? Goodness me. We go to the back line. It gets better as well. Cole Godwin is back, and he'll be in midfield with Tabeti Kurandrani. And he kept as a team too, Godwin. Jordan Oluwafella, uh, the Englishman, over at the Western Force. He gets a start on the left wing. Byron Ralston's on the right. Jack McGregor at fullback. Still no Rob Carney to complete the complete international flavour of the side. Richard Carwey returns to the bench. But, boy... Western Force, they're really spitting out the names, aren't they? That's a quality-looking team by international standards with the players they're popping out there, aren't they? Oh, yeah, and don't forget Isaac Rodders due back soon as well. And I think they've still got Nick Frisbee, another Wallaby, fighting out there somewhere. So um, there's the money. Money is good. <laughs> and money can buy you some good players. And I'm absolutely delighted and thrilled that Twiggy Forrest has done that. Um, 
yeah, looking at that lineup compared to lineups past, and, and the lineups past have been pretty good, mate. But I'm telling mm-hmm. you, that lineup looks like it's ready to knock off the bit of rivalry on Friday night. And um, yeah, look, isn't that impressive? I think they've just got to muscle up continually in the forwards, but they've got to finish with their backs, mate. They, they have no excuse now. Trans Tasman with the bubble being announced is coming up and they'll want to put on a show for that as well. So with a lineup of stars that big, you'd think it's a Hollywood A-list movie, but it's um, <laughs> I don't think they're ready for that, but I think they're ready for Melbourne. Uh, it sure is exciting. It really, really is exciting to see that team. So many international quality players, so many players locally in that team, like the Fergus Lee Warners, guys like that, they're standing up on the bench, the Tim Ancy sort of players, Bernard Standers, they're going to come on and make an impact. It really is exciting as to what these guys can do. But the big question that we always talk about with the Western Force, you guys coming in, Godwin, this is his first appearance. Sure, he's been around, you know, a long time in Australian rugby, and now with the Force, he's back with them where he started things all off. But now you got Oliver Feller coming into the team as well. Another new one, Miotti's played infrequently a little bit off the bench but his combination I think with Cabelli is going to be key don't worry about everyone else the fact that your 9 and 10 can function well together is going to be very very important so hopefully that does come true to them I think the Rebels still will get that continuity around their team but boy it's exciting it really really is exciting and I I do hope um, that they actually do gel quite nicely and put on a good performance here but end of the day Shane who's your money going on well, I think the, the song that's playing in the background here is uh, Everywhere You Go, Always Take the Weather With You. Great New Zealand slash Aussie band, <laughs> great house. So take the weather with you, Western Force, but I think the Rebels by five. I just think yep. that they've just got that little bit more finish in their back line. Yeah, and that, that ability to take points when they're on offer too, I think that's going to be crucial because they are a team that just... They take it. They put their scoreboard pressure on. They didn't do it too well last uh, week, but still, I think it's the Western Force, a team that probably don't have that capability mentally as, as a unit, as a squad, uh, to really keep up with that sort of thing. If the Rebels can get out early and, and get ahead, that's why what's going to be so important for them. The Force, though, they need to do that themselves, build that confidence, and they could well be on their way to a fairly decent upset. I'm going Rebels as well, but only by three points. I think it's going to be nice and close and tight, and hopefully really, really exciting as well. Let's rock on. Game number two. Back over here. Oh, here we go. This is going to be good. Saturday morning, I'm going to be getting up early. Watch my Twitter. If you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you do it. We're going to be checking out what's going on. Whether does it matter uh, when you're playing in Dunedin, but we'll still do a little bit of exciting build-up to the game, hopefully, as we make our way up to the big smoke of Dunedin for this game. Highlanders, Chiefs. This is going to be interesting. There's a lot going on the Highlanders at the moment. Uh, Farrell Fakatava, so brilliant last week in that amazing victory over the Crusaders. He's now out for the season, which is a huge, huge blow. A couple of key players now missing for this Highlanders team for the whole season. But last week, Shane, cast your memory back a week, seven days ago, probably about this time, we sat here and we just said, there is no chance that the Highlanders are going to win this game. Missing all those players who were suspended or, or stood down, I should say, and then they just come out and play the performance of their life. They put out that first defeat to the Crusaders. No one's done it. No one's done it when they're on the road. This time they were done at home, the Crusaders. It's almost unthinkable what has happened. The worst performance by a Crusaders team. We'll talk about them at the end. But let's talk about the, the Highlanders, though. That ability they've struggled to finish 
all season long so far. They've been very uh, wishy-washy with that um, last chance or that last little piece to, to put it over the line and complete the puzzle they've struggled with. And that really comes together. Can they keep it up, though? Consistency, can they do it again this week? That's my massive question. And you'll imagine the Chiefs will be up for this as well because they're on a winning streak, remember? So this is huge for both these sides, isn't it? It's, it's no longer a wooden spoon here. This is a massive tussle from third to fifth. Yeah. And I think the Highlanders probably read my um, my onion barbecue recipe and really fired up. Um, <laughs> and they put that on the, on the, on the snags, mate, and the, and the steak and everything like that. So I'm so proud of you, um, I know I'm showing a little bit of bias here, but I'm so proud of you, Highlanders. Get out there and support them at Dunedin. And um, since the bubble's about to open as well, get all the Aussies out to Dunedin as well. <laughs> support this team. Adopt them as your second team during the Trans-Tasman comp. Um, I said so, and so did Stephen. But, um, yes. You know, this is going to be a cracking game. It's going to be exciting. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs are playing some good rugby. The Highlanders bounce off the beating the top team. Um, you know, it's, it's as you said, it's not about wooden spoon. This is about a competitive, really competitive and exciting game of rugby. If you open up the back lines, mate, oh, you know, anything could happen. You just yep. got to get those forwards to rumble forward and, and do their job as well. Yeah, it certainly could be. It's going to, I think it's going to come out to much like we did talk about with the Crusaders. It's, it's form. Who's going to turn up? Who's going to play the better performance? It's either going to be, if someone doesn't turn up to these games, it's just a, a, an easy ride or a demolition for the other side. Both sides need to turn up. And there is a few changes in this Highlanders team, which we'll have a look at now uh, going through their lineup. Front row, uh, staying fairly consistent. Ethan DeGroote, Ash Dixon, and Josh Honnick, he getting a, he's getting a start this week. Uh, Tokalahi's moved off to the bench. Uh, Brent Evans and Putty Putty Parkinson at four and five. Again, Shannon Frizzell. James Lynches comes in at seven. And Kazuki Hamino once again wearing that number eight. Great to see the Japanese international absolutely killing it down or up from wherever you are, up or down in Dunedin. Uh, Aaron Smith returns to starting line, of course, with the injury to Fakataba. He starts at scrum half with Mitch Hunt outside him in the 10. Scott Gregory. Now, there's a lot of talk about this. If you tune into the channel New Zealand Sports Radio a lot, uh, you'll see Stephen Harris talks a lot about Scott Gregory never playing in his favourite position. He's come out this week in our, our chat about the games. He said that this is Gregory's best place. 12 or 13 is where he is best. So I'm really keen to see how he plays because on the wing and at fullback it's been a little bit average so he will be alongside C.O. Tompkinson in midfield uh, Jonah Narecki and Nagani Putavai are on the wings of the impressive and amazing Connor Garden Bashup at fullback for the Chiefs we should talk about them a little bit as well because they've been in impeccable form um, before the bye but a couple of rounds before that they really look like contenders this season when they are on their best game. Aiden Ross, Samasoni Takiaho and Angus Tarvel are their front row. Tupu Vai and Naitoa Akui back together in the second row. These two young locking combination looks set for big uh, things in their future. Mitch Brown will get his 50th cap as he starts the number six jumper with Caelan Boucher. Now, you do know Lachlan Boucher. Yep, it's the brother. Caleb starts at seven, and Luke Jacobson is at number eight. Brad Weber and Caleb Trask, we're nine and ten. Quinta Pyre and Anton Leonard-Brown in midfield. Attending Nano Saturo returns from injury 
on the left wing. Jonah Lowe returns from, well, illness, I think he was, Jonah Lowe. He's back on the right, and Damien McKenzie continues his journey on at fullback. Carrying on for what you said, Shane, this is a game and lineups that just provide the possibility of exciting rugby, isn't it? And this could be not only a really good game, but exciting and open running into Eden. Like I said before, weather doesn't matter. Under the roof, it's going to be good uh, running conditions. It's going to be um, dry. It's everything we could wish for with two teams of such exciting size, isn't it? Yeah, uh, look, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be tight. It's it's going to be fun. Well, I think, um, you know, pump up the music, Dunedin. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, we're going to see a lot of backline running. We're going to see a lot of manoeuvres and and, um, and tactical display, as we always do in, see, in New Zealand derbies. And um, I'm going to say the Highlanders by seven. Um, I'm going with the Southern boys. Um, as I say, pump it up. Cheer these boys on. They've taken out the big, big guns. Now they're after the Chiefs, so uh, the Chiefs will be up for it too. So, if you want to see a good, good game of rugby on Saturday night, it's, uh, you know, I can't think of a better place than Dunedin, New Zealand. Love you <laughs> as all. I've missed Dunedin, mate. You can follow me down or up, whichever way you are, because uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a stunning game, um, and I do think it's going to be quite the one to watch as well. It's going to be a lot of points, a lot of tries, and I'm hoping um, it's going to be because of what happened last week. It's going to draw the crowd as well. Uh, they get a good crowd down there. It's, it's always a good, noisy stadium. The, the, the sound stays inside, which is always good. You know, you always get a good atmosphere because of the way the stadium is. But they're just being the Crusaders. What better way to light up your fan base than to go to Christchurch and take those guys out? This should be, hopefully, a packed house, a full stadium, and full of excitement. Nocturnal says, Shane, you can visit uh, pretty soon. So he's uh, banking on you coming over here to come to a, a Super Rugby LTD or even a, a Trans-Tasman game in future. So you're going to have to uh, look out for that, Shane. They're going to hold you to that comment <laughs> as the weeks go by. Also, Nocturnal says, looking forward to a fast-paced game on Saturday night, which it should well be. And I do agree with you, Shane. I almost wrote down exactly the same pick as yours. I've gone Highlanders by eight. I'm, I'm feeling positive. I've got a little bit of, little few hesitant things, but at home, a big crowd, hopefully, a good atmosphere. And I think the Highlanders, yeah, you know, will get in there and, uh, the, yeah, the, the fans will get behind their team, boost them up for that extra sort of 16th man on the field. It should be a cracker. Highlanders by eight. You hear it here first. That is the way to go. Cannot wait. Saturday night. Moving on. Across your side of the ditch, Shane, the Reds and the Brumbies. Swore, here we go. This is it. It's our second chance at the grand final preview. Reds, unbeaten. Hey, there's a big man back as well. You've been talking about him a lot, but Liam Wright returns on the bench this week for the Reds. Captain Fantastic. This is setting up to be the Reds here, isn't it? You just it's it's hard to look past this team. They they look just incredible to watch and it's hard to not pick them. I mean, I, I like the Reds and how they play, and that's I, I do like to support teams that play that way. But now they're actually getting – they've gone past that, that building stage and, and development. Now they, these guys are getting into their prime, and they just look like they are primed for action every single week. Yeah, and koalas attack at night. Um, for <laughs> anyone. And attack we will. Um, look. Grand final preview number two, as you said, how good was the first one? Very high yep. scoring, 
but how good was the first one and how good was the grand final last year too so i you know this is the australian derby to watch now it's not it's not to reds versus the waratahs and good on the brumbies they still got up against the waratahs last week and uh, <laughs> and a much braver effort too by the tars the, the brumbies yeah. were complacent in the second half um the malls weren't always working the reds have worked on a mall over the last couple of weeks so uh, the reds have worked progressively on their game plan you notice with the reds that most games they will play the traditional australian way counter attack and punch through the line phase play then sometimes they'll adopt the rennie tactic where they'll start going at going at angles and running at angles and at faster pace so um they've certainly started to adopt some new ideas about how to play the game of rugby but the brumbies you can never underestimate the old school australian game they play either and um i know they'll play it and i know they'll be tough and i can't in my heart of hearts knowing how strong the lineups are yeah this is this is the pinnacle of um your saturday night folks so even the folks in new zealand do stay up late uh do join us and then come celebrate um what will be probably another cracking game of rugby Saturday night is just looking like it's the night to be alive, isn't it? We're going to have a, a, an outstanding game in, in Super Rugby Altadale Forest and then followed up by the, the match-up that really is the mark on the calendar, isn't it, of Australian rugby between the Reds and the Brumbies. So do not leave your couch. That's what you have to say about that. And I need to get from the stadium back to the hotel very, very quickly so I can watch this game as well because it is sure to be a cracker. You spoke a little bit about uh, the lineouts, uh, So let's check them out, the Reds. Going up first, and it's Fiola Futuaka, who is starting in the number one jumper, and Brendan Pangamosa at hooker, Taliana Tupo on the tight head side of that front row. Ryan Smith and Lucan Solakai Loto in the second row. Angus Scott Young, Fraser McWright, Harry Wilson back at number eight. Tate McDermott and James O'Connor in the house with Hamish Stewart and Hunter Paisami in that midfield. Jock Campbell, impressive last week. He's in the 11 jumper with Jordan Pattaya in 14. Bryce Higgity. At fullback for the Reds. Strong, consistent team from the Reds this week as well. Moving back across to the Brumbies, James Slipper, Falau Fuanga, and Alan Aliatoa return the old form of that front row with the captain returning back from his time out of the team. Suspension um, a few rounds ago. Darcy Swain, Caden Neville in the second row, Rob Valentini, Tom Cusack, and Pete Samu completing that Brumbies pack. Nick White, Noel Olaseo in the house with Ira Simone, Leon Ikitao again in that midfield. Tom Wright and Andy Muirhead on the wings and Tom Banks at fullback yet again. Now, a key word there I'll say for both teams, Shane, consistency of lineups. The Reds changed a few little things uh, last week, didn't they, with the re-addition of that dual playmaker or even she tried playmaker with Stuart Hegarty and O'Connor. But, boy, they've really been consistent with most of their team They've used very, very little outside of that core throughout the whole season. And that is one of the strengths of these sides. And it continues to pay dividends for them, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, it reminds me of the Queensland sides of the 90s where you had Hoare and Herbert, uh, Little, Eels, Morgan, Smith, um, you know, probably 
you know, all of them should have been Wallabies, no Waratahs, but, um, you know, again, showing my bias there. Um, when you have that many Queenslanders of Wallaby quality, um, you know, Brad Thorne has just developed them really, really well, and he's had the coaching staff to develop them, and that's when you can stick with teams. And, um, you know... Um, because it's still it's still a young group coming through. It's probably at its built stage now, but it's you know we've got Trans Tasman later on, so there'll be bigger tests and, and bigger fish to fry um, later on. Um, and in my case, steaks. Um, <laughs> you know, so look, there's still a long way to go. Let's make no mistake about that. But in terms of the quality in that Australian derbies have been putting on perhaps over the last couple of years, we're starting to see where this team is really at in terms of getting home and away victories. And we can see where the Brumbies are at too. They're still on top. They're still the reigning premiers. They're still the reigning minor premiers from last year. Um, so we've still got a lot of work to do on Saturday night to, to knock them off. And I'm going to say, look, it's going to be the Reds by one. I think it's going to be an absolute thriller, thriller night, as Michael Jackson would say. Um, it's his great song, you know. So just just get out there. Enjoy it. It's <laughs> going for a close one. A one-pointer. I like it. I do indeed like it. That's what we like to see. Um, I've not gone quite as optimistic. No, I've not gone quite as close as you. But a couple of really interesting comments in here. Um, Nocturnal saying, asking about Hamish Stewart starting. Yes, he is, of course. Uh, Nick Bishop has done uh, analysis, saying that the Reds are better with him at 12. Well, there he is. He's starting at 12. What more could you want? And let's be honest, they were pretty impressive last week as well. But here's one for you, uh, Shane. Uh, Big Bad Brad is going to take the Reds to the final. Obviously, they're pretty much if they win this game, they're guaranteed uh, the place in the final. But future Aussie coach, you watch. What do you reckon about that? Uh, look, I don't know. Um, <laughs> obviously, McKellar's just as good at the Rumbies. Um, and I think whoever does win Super Rugby AU and whoever probably just does that little bit better in the Trans-Tasman comp, will probably be front-runner. Um, but it is excellent to have two quality coaches like Brad Thornton and Dan McKellar in that picture if, if Dave Rennie doesn't work out. And I, I honestly have my reservations about Dave Rennie. Um, I'm sure he's a very good bloke, and the work that he did with the Chiefs, no one can take that away with him. The best super rugby side, that 2012-2013 that I've ever seen. So... Um, I'm not quite going to say that they, he's going to be the Wallaby coach, Brad Thorne, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if either Thorne or McKellar was in the future. I'm going to follow that up because it's question time here on the show uh, before we go to our last matchup. But another good statement here from GoWillie83. I mean, I don't know if you want to comment on this, Shane, but he's pretty much saying that the Australian rugby needs to make it more entertaining, like Super Rugby Aotearoa. Is pretty entertaining. It's it's open. It's expansive. It's it's you know all over the show. Exciting rugby. I think this game that we're talking about right now, the Reds and the Brumbies, for the Reds, the Reds are I think it's the closest thing you can possibly get right now to a New Zealand Super Rugby team. Absolutely. The problem with the Reds, they're not quite the polish. I guess you could probably say they 
they get frustrated very easily. I think we've seen teams like the Brumbies, the Western Force, um, sorry, the, the Rebels uh, and the Western Force defensively frustrate the Reds and they don't have that calmness to just slow it down and then say, we're just going to break you down. You know, the, the, the ruthlessness, I guess you could probably call it, um, that some of the New Zealand sides do have, like the Crusaders, where they will just keep hammering away. And it's like, well, if we've got to go 50 phases here, we don't really care. We're going to do it. Uh, that's what they lack. But in terms of entertainment, blockbusting players, they really do have that, I think, the Reds. Uh, and that is the direction they're kind of going. The Brumbies, like you kind of said, they're a bit of a stick in the mud with that old sort of Australian style. They are progressing the likes of the two Toms, Banks and Wright. They are you know, exciting players who do play that sort of rugby when they get their chances. But I think it's, it's improved. I don't know. Do you reckon it's, it's got better, I think, last two, three years, especially last two years, especially with the Reds um, coming through? But I think they're draggy, run away. You're getting that... I guess a South American flair with the Western Force now as well, coming through with those imported players as well. I think it's in the out. I think it's definitely more exciting than it was um, two, three years ago. Yeah, look, um, it's hard to say. I think our standard of derbies compared to, say, 2012, 13, 14 are a lot better. But when it does come to the New Zealand sides, they are technically better and in terms of perhaps that depth as well um, and, and, and what New Zealand create. But having said that, <laughs> I'm sure you and I have been up into the early hours of the morning watching South African derbies at Super Rugby too. And um, we're like, what is going on here? And, and it's a good game, good physical hard game for rugby. And, and we're... South Africa are the world champions, um, you know, um, and that that we can't take away from them. So they obviously um, have a different setup still to to Australia and New Zealand. And the NRL question's been addressed there by Willie, and I, I love my NRL like anybody else as well. Um, so yeah, look, in terms of crowd numbers and. and even the AFL tops the NRL for that too. So in, in terms of things like that, you know, you're just going to have to be as competitive as you can be, um, you know. And as I said, there are bigger tests coming up when we get this bubble open, when we get Trans-Tasman going, um, to see where these sides are really at because every team will be playing a New Zealand team for five weeks in a row. And and then, you know, obviously we go our separate ways for internationals before the rugby championship. And so, so let's just take it a step at a time. But I think, yeah, look, I do agree that Super Rugby Aotearoa is the better competition, but it is exciting as an Australian to be watching some some great rugby every weekend and really we've got what we wanted we wanted lots more derbies and we got what we wanted by pushing that that way it took sadly a pandemic to, for that to happen but um you know i guess that's that's the best way i can answer it for there mate so and it's i think the other thing is it's, it's your players Okay, I think a lot of people from New Zealand perspective, and I, I, I don't know, uh, Willie, if you are a New Zealand supporter or not, but 
and and like not nocturnals just literally said it in the chat there the uh, the blues hurricanes game uh, last weekend absolute dire um but i forgot where i was going to go off that point uh, actually in the middle there but yeah that's the what you relate to new zealand uh fans relate to their players they know more of their players we know those second rate guys that they aren't all blacks at the moment but we know the excitement the up and coming players we watch australia unless you're probably like us that watch every game in australia you don't probably have that same affiliation with the teams. And then you like, say you watch South Africa and it's a completely different style of rugby altogether. And that the depths, the layers of their systems are, are onion filled. There's just so many layers to them. So it's a different game. I do think it's improving. It's getting more exciting, but yeah, each country has um, their own sort of style, but I did want to go into this comment as well from him um, saying uh, in the nineties, Wallabies players and teams could knock over New Zealand, South Africa team any day. Remember what happened last year. It was one can. win, one loss and a draw. I mean, you may criticise Australian rugby for the state that it's in, but hey, the All Blacks only got one win against them last season. And to be fair, they had the same win and loss rate against each other. So Australian rugby's not faring that badly. I mean, South Africa, well, they just didn't want to play, did they? So, I mean, you can't even add them to that discussion. But result-wise, uh, the Wallabies are going all right. So um, I don't know if there's too much justification oh, to that comment at I'm all. Late, I'll add something there, Steve. Go for it. Uh, I remember a conversation that I had with um, a New Zealand friend of mine a few years back in this very pub um, because this used to be a wonderful pub to come and watch rugby um, before Stan took over the rights and we've all had to go and, and stream Stan at home and buy their into their subscriptions where, where the pubs can't have that on. But he said, you know, when we... He said, we as New Zealanders, and I'm quoting him here, loved beating the Wallabies, particularly in the 80s and 90s, not just for the one-upmanship between trans-Tasman cousins, but because the Wallabies had bloody good players. And, and you know, no one can deny what Campo and, and um, you know, Horan, Little, um, Eels, um, that group that came through Pretty in 91. Larkham. You know, and it's just a, and I agree with that. And we love beating New Zealand because they are such a great team. And, um, well, I, I love be seeing the Wallabies beat New Zealand because it shows me that the Australian spirit is much well alive when that happens. So, um, but to me, beating the Springboks is something that's even more special um, in a weird way. Not not because of the the world champions, because Australia versus South Africa is such a brutal physical test match um, that it really does take eighty, sometimes eighty one, eighty two minutes to beat them, and and it's close. So if that makes sense for Will, um, perhaps um, that's a bit more to my answer there. I think Australian rugby, without, we're going completely off top here, but we'll, we'll move on. Australian rugby is going through a transition, I reckon. Those old legends are, although as, as reluctantly as they were to get let go of the Adam Ashley Coopers and those sort of players, they probably overstayed their welcome a little bit in the next wave. Didn't come through like it would, but I think Australian rugby is starting to regenerate new legends of the game. And you're getting guys that are 23, 24, 25 that are becoming consistent players in an international team. By the time those guys are 32 years old, you know, they've got six, seven, eight, nine years of international rugby under their belt. They become 
that sort of stature of player that we relate to those names that you rattled off just before. So it's, it's, it's hard. A guy can't just come into the team and, and be the next John Eels. You know, they've got to build that reputation, that consistency, that stature in the game. And I think the Wallabies have had a little dead spot, 100%. They really didn't have that next wave coming through after, you know, the five years, six years ago. But I think they're starting to build that up yet again now. And in the future, I think we will start talking about some names that we are seeing in the game now that will be held in that same sort of stature as those ones that you did mention. So it's on and up, but yeah, it's the process of sport, isn't it? Professional sport, that is how it does go. Let's go into our final game, Shane, before we wrap up today's episode. If you do have more questions, do chuck them in the comments. We had to preview the games, but we're all keen to have a bit of a chat and a, um, a chuckle over uh, whatever you guys want to talk about as well. Hurricanes, Crusaders. We don't have the teams for this one because it's on a Sunday afternoon um, game, which is... I mean, some people like Sunday afternoon games. Uh, we won't talk about that, but this is this is a big game. Hey, come on, let's talk about the big obvious thing here, Shane. The Crusaders lost the game. Last week, they were so bad. It was the worst Crusaders performance I've seen for years. Mistake critten, uh, lackluster, uh, just uh, clueless, I guess. Probably a poor word to use, but they didn't have a plan B. Often a lot of um, players running by themselves, trying to make something happen so uncrusader-like in the way that they played. I fear for this Hurricanes team that there's going to be somewhat of a backlash. And I think Mr. Robinson is going to be whipping some um, harsh words at these boys over the week. And I, I, I do feel the, the Hurricanes are going to have to be really up for this or it may get ugly. Well, it's the worst Crusaders performance I've seen since the Waratahs beat them in the in the final seven years ago, and that was only a point in that, but uh, everybody knows where Richie was in that ruck, wink, 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 that lunge, <laughs> and uh, rightfully the penalty was given. Um, and that's the only time I've probably cheered on the Waratahs. <laughs> no, no, I used to support them years ago. But, um, look, the, the Crusaders do not have two off nights in a row. Uh, that's for sure. They had a they had a bad night, and um, every every sporting team had them. You know, Chicago Bulls. I can see the Indiana Pacers behind you there, Steve, with your flag. The Chicago Bulls in the nineties, um, you know, had to lift their game every week after they had a bad week, but they always seemed to redeem themselves. And with the amount of starts the Crusaders have, um, they they will very quickly <laughs> redeem themselves. And I think Scotty Robertson, um, who I think is a future All Blacks coach um, as well. Cool. So um, he'll have these Crusaders um, fired up, ready to go. Um, they've probably tried my recipe as well, mate, with that, <laughs> that onion. And uh, they're, they're ready to go, mate, I'll tell you. I don't think the Hurricanes need no notice of them coming up to up to Wellington. Yeah, Bendidi, we've got a couple of comments in here. First one here from uh, Subparty. If you want to shout out, mate, ask us a question. We're talking about the games coming up this weekend. Ask us a question, but here is a question. This is what you should be asking. Uh, Nocturnal says the question is, A, will the Crusaders go crazy? Or B, the Highlanders have found the, the, Highlanders have found the formula to beat the Crusaders and the Hurricanes will repeat that. I can guarantee you, Shane, the Hurricanes would have watched that game last weekend 10 times. 
they would have studied that. Every player would have studied their number's sake on that game over and over and over. Sure, you can't replicate form or freakish ability, but like Nocturnal says there, have they done something, do you think, that other teams can copy? Or was that just a really bad Crusaders performance? Well, like every good hot chocolate. <laughs> um, you know, you you might occasionally get a bad one. Um, that's the one I make. So uh, they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so the Crusaders will have probably, if I know them well enough, another game plan that they're going to try and execute on, on Sunday. And it's going to be all-out attack and um, all-out aggressiveness at the breakdown. That hasn't changed. Um, that will never change. We, I know the Crusaders well enough for that, but um, they'll work out a new game plan and, and the Hurricanes will have to, on the spot, for 80 minutes, work out the formula to beat them. Um, so I think that uh, the Highlanders beat the Crusaders and did a bloody good job with that. But the Crusaders also were off, were off like rotten milk, mate. So, hmm. um, And they don't have two, as I've said before, they don't have two bad nights too often. You'll see them yep. have one bad night here and there and then they'll pick it up again. And, and I expect the professionalism within that side and within their coaching ranks to, to be able to quickly fill any positions like party on a building side. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with you. They'll, they'll have another plan. They'll, they won't play the same way. They can't, like you say, they won't play that badly twice in a row. We've got quite a few comments coming through about this game as well, which is quite interesting. Uh, Will reckons that the Canes are a poor team. They haven't had a good season. Um, Salvia shouldn't be given the captaincy. It's ruined him as a player and the beast he normally is. Dane Coles is a saviour of the Canes season, but sadly too late. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think you've got to add into that Geordie Barrett's probably a bit of a saviour to this Hurricanes uh, team as well because I think he's played with that high in this game, 30 points all by himself, just freakish ability of the man. But he is that backline general. So um, him, Dane Coles especially as well, I think is another good one. We'll, we'll rifle through these. Uh, Shane, you can you can sum them up if you like at the end. Will Jordan to be dropped? He's nocturnal. His attitude was very lax. Can't argue with that. Defensively, I think he was a lot of things that... Um, Normally, he would outpace someone or outrun someone or chase someone down. Didn't notice that, especially about the Crusaders, I think, as a team as a whole, certainly didn't have that uh, ability like they normally would have. We've seen players, Highlanders, forwards, chasing down Crusaders' backs. That doesn't happen. That, that just shouldn't happen, I think. Maybe Nocturnal was right on that one. And there's a bit of um, credit going to how good Tony Brown is as a coach. So, yeah, fair play. Um, Tony Brown is a very creative coach, and I think when his plans come off, they are unique and up there, world-class, certainly, um, as a coaching perspective internationally, he should be there or thereabouts, as he has been uh, with Japan as well. So, and a little bit of a summary there, Shane. Anything you want to add to those comments from those guys? I'll address the patience one. Look, mm -hmm. I think the Hurricanes do have the talent. I love watching play when they're on on top of their game but it's yeah the patience sometimes with those big forwards trying to crash through and then you know you get um it's a mistake riddled side when it's really bad to watch um and you know you don't want to put 
the wrong answer on the exam paper, and sometimes the Hurricanes have. Um, that's how you fail exams. Uh, this, one's a, <laughs> this one's an exam of another kind. It's the Crusaders, and, um, yeah, look, I think they've got to work on their, their ball transparency and attack um, because, you know, given give her any day, the, you know, that tight five can destroy any side they face. Um, that back line with Geordie Barrett, Geordie, you know, I love watching him play. It's exciting to watch him play and he can get those big backs running um, and crashing through the middle. Anything can happen. But, yeah, look, it's patience. And you're right, Crusaders love impatient sides. It doesn't take them too long before they're on the scoreboard. So, yeah, I can address it that way. I think Wolves made some really good points tonight, actually. Indeed, yep. Um, I think you bring a good point about patience as well, Geordie Barrett. Uh, you've got a guy who can kick 50, 55-metre penalties as well. Crusaders are a team that love to – well, they don't love, but would prefer to give away a penalty inside their half than concede – you know, the possible chance of a try. Uh, Crusaders, uh, if they do that, the Hurricanes need to just put points on the board. They all, Everyone says you, you can't beat the Crusaders by kicking threes. But the Highlanders showed you can create scoreboard pressure, which if the mental state of this Crusaders team is not at its peak, which it wasn't last week, and will it be again this week? That scoreboard pressure can tell a massive tale. So I think they need to go out there, get Barrett up there, get six points up, nine points up. Uh-oh, we're over a try, a converted try behind then the pressure starts mounting. That's how they need to get into this game. A lot of question marks. Defensively, the question marks are there. A lot of question marks are there about this Hurricanes team. But if they can get ahead, get the crowd behind them, immensely get in front of the game, and force the Crusaders to play out, that's how they could possibly get into this matchup. But uh, Sipati's come to us with a question. He's, he's been a good man, so he deserves a bit of a shout-out on the front there. Do, the Hur- do you think the Hurricanes can pull off the win after a Crusaders loss. This is why we're all here. Can they do it, Shane? I wish they could. <laughs> so I could, uh, you know, come up and be exciting. Um, barbecues at my place if you do. Um, for all the Hurricanes team and staff. Um, so uh, I'm not quite confident, but... Um, <laughs> My place, my place, you know where I am. Um, so, look, Crusaders by 12 for me. Fair enough. I'm going very similar with you as well. I think I, I think it's going to be a bit of a backlash. I, I do think the Crusaders, I think, will change things. They, they have to mix things up. Like I say, they can't be that bad two weeks in a row. I'm going Crusaders by 14. Hurricanes just need to hope for a miracle. Just like the Highlanders got last week. Um, they need to, like I said, get out in front, take the points early, take every chance they get. If they're in the 22, they've got to score. The three, five, seven, it does not matter. But uh, f- the final few points we wrap up, Shane. Nocturnal says, avoid the set piece, Hurricanes, to have a chance. Fair enough. That pack of the, of the Crusaders is, is uh, devastating. Uh, when it comes to scrums, lineouts, they are really one of the best, and they will upset your set piece, and it's going to put pressure on that back line. Um, as well as this, don't drop the ball. Okay, we're, we're going simple here. Um, and this one, finally, it's going to be a Mawanga Jordan massacre this weekend. Possibly could well be. So we'll see how that does go. 
Nocturnal says normal transmission to resume Crusaders by 17. Um, so lots of things. Here we go. Crusaders are hurting as well. So plenty of comments here. It's, 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 it really is torn. People think either the Hurricanes are going to pounce on a hurted Crusaders team or the Crusaders are going to bounce back and just put the paint on. So this is intriguing. For a Sunday afternoon game, this is intriguing. Big opportunity for both these teams to stamp their mark in the sand as to where they are going to go. But that's Shane. I think we've talked about that one for long enough and this weekend's action long enough as well. Thank you, everyone, in the comments for having your say. We had heaps of comments tonight, which is awesome. Heaps of questions to answer. A lot to talk about, which is cool. So make sure you tune in next week as well. Uh, we can have these conversations yet again. So do not miss the show. Make sure to subscribe to the channels and be here on your Thursday evening or whatever time it is in your part of the world. Um, <laughs> saying Kane's got no chance on a dry track, so on a dry track at the Capeton. So, boy... This one really has everyone torn. It's exciting. I'm more excited about this than I was at the start. Uh, Shane, big thanks for coming on as always as well. Any final thoughts for the weekend before we wrap up tonight's show? No, Steve, thanks for having me on as always. Um, it's been it's been great. You know, the rugby's rugby's on and, and that's the main thing. That's that's why we all work hard to, to, to enjoy our Friday and Saturday nights in front of our screens or at the game. Um, enjoy it. However you're doing it. It continues. It's going to continue. Keep the comments flowing. I want to see him keep on flowing. Jacob says the status has been figured out. I love it. Keep it coming. Thank you, everyone, for your thoughts. It's been an awesome show, and we'll see you all next week as well. Big thanks, Shane. Big thanks to you, as always. And we'll see you next Thursday. Until then, take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.